Thanks for joining us on the Father's House Podcast, where we are leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. If you have any questions or want to learn more about us, you can always check us out online simply by going to thefathershouse.com. We'd love for you to stay connected throughout your week. Now, let's go to this week's message. Wow, it's great to see you this morning. Thank you for coming. Thank you for those of you that are watching online. Hey, Father's House, let's welcome those that are watching online this morning. Wow. Yes, yes, yes. Let us know where you're watching from. It's great to see you. Well, wasn't that a great song? I, talking about love, that was just so, so special. Hey, um, if you uh, didn't watch Wednesday night, our 744 from our house to your house, let me encourage you to go back into the archives and watch that. Pastor Steve and myself, he pastors the Frontier Church, uh, a great African-American pastor in town. And we talked about real, uh, real relevant issues. We talked about racism. We talked about injustice. We talked about fear, uh, a lot of things. So I encourage you to go back and take a look at those. And uh, I, I, we just want to continue to pray. We want to continue to be the voice that God wants us to be. We'll only change the way that society is and after we change our heart. Uh, the scripture says that God's kingdom, his throne, is righteousness and justice. Righteousness is right actions based on God's standard. Not a standard of a political party, but what's right, what's right. And justice is impartial application of God's moral law in society. It's God's law, not ours. So as a church, we stand up as a voice and we say um, we believe that God stands up for the marginalized, for those that uh, have not been treated in justice, and we continue to cry out for God to bring justice into our world for those that are already born and for those yet to be born. So this whole thing goes a lot of different directions. So we will stand for that. We will cry out, and we will do that. Also, it starts in your home. Unless we begin to change that and teach our children, it'll never be the same. So I encourage you to find somebody that doesn't look like you, begin to build a bridge of friendship. I, I met with a young pastor this week, and he made a great quote, and I love this quote. Listen, proximity breeds empathy. Distance breeds suspicion. So if I keep you at arm's length, whether that is somebody of color, whether that's somebody that serves in the police, or somebody that uh, is uh, different ethnic or different socioeconomic, then I'll view you with suspicion. But if I take my arms and I'll bring you in and I'll begin to listen and to care, then it creates empathy and not this distance. And so then what we do is that we turn around and we reach out to someone else. So we change this injustice in our world by standing up for what's right. In Acts chapter 16, Paul protested. He stood on the street and he protested the way that the Roman government was treating him. He didn't riot. Riot, when people break in and steal and kill and, and thieve, you know what that is? For the thief breaks in to steal. That's not protesting. So Paul did that in Acts chapter 17. So 
In our world, we change this by changing our heart with other people, by changing the church and stands up strong, and thirdly, changing those that we vote for. People always focus on the president, but it's not just the president. Really, for things to change, we got to look on the local level. We got to look at every level locally and vote people that stand up and hold people accountable for righteousness and justice. So I encourage you not to vote a political party, but to vote people who stand up for God's ways. So will you say amen with me? Also, we're still in this COVID-19. I know it's real to uh, people that are compromised. Thank you for those of you that are here. And those of you that feel compromised, you're watching at home. But listen, let me say this. If you're just at home because you're used to Saint Recliner, I pray your recliner breaks today. If you're just staying home because you're used to Saint Mattress, I hope you get lumpy mattress, all right? Look, don't use COVID-19 as an excuse for staying home. We're gathering. You, can, you only get things in the house when we get together that you can't get online. Do you, would you believe that with me? Wow, amen. Would you say, get out of bed, get out of your recliner, get back to church, okay? Next week is going to be packed out, so you better get here early. I'm going to tell you at the end of the service why it will be packed out next week. And uh, it's going to be awesome. You have your Bible? Let's hold up our Bible together and let's sit together. This is my Bible. It is the Word of God. It is life to me. Today I receive the word. I confess my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I am obedient. And I will never be the same again in Jesus' name. Father, we pray today. And we refuse to stand by and look at our neighbor. You told us the story in the Good Samaritan. And not get involved or do anything. So Lord, we pray as an individual, as a church, as a nation that we can see things turned around. And Lord, as we look into your word today, I pray that you'll anoint me. Lord, unless you anoint me, my words, it just becomes a good talk. But I'm not interested in talk today. I'm interested in words that bring life change. So I pray today that you will be glorified in all that is said today in your name. After being away on a business trip, a man stopped by his store and thought he would buy some perfume for his wife. He said, I want to take my wife a knife, get a nice gift home, so do you have some perfume? So she brought out a bottle of perfume as $100. He said, well, that's a little more than I wanted. So she brought back out one little smaller for 50 He said, well, that's still a little higher. So he brought out another one for 15 And he said, well, you know, maybe what I should say, I'm looking for something cheap. She said, okay, so she reached down the counter and she handed him a mirror. How many of you looked at least one time this morning in a mirror before you left? Raise your hand. Yeah, I see some of you didn't and I know why. I mean, did anybody say to you, are you going to leave looking like that? I mean, that we, we look at the mirror we, and some of you look at more than one mirror. Yeah, and I love, to, I love to be at the gym, you know. I, I love to be at the gym. And I love to watch people walk by a mirror, you know, Let's flex a little more, Let's suck the belly in a little bit more, see that, you know. But, but the problem is, you got to be sure you're looking through a mirror that gives you an, uh, an appropriate looking back. 
We brought one of these mirrors today from, uh, uh, that distorts who you are. And I know some of you have been to the uh, fun houses and the carnivals where you look at one mirror and it stretches you out. I like those, right? Uh, Al likes those that stretches him out this way. And then you look at those and they, and they make you like short and squatty and fat. And I was looking at this a few minutes ago and it looked like I had two heads looking into this one. And, and so they distort who we are. And if we're not careful, we walk away from that mirror with what we perceived that we look like, and we begin to believe and act like that. So here's what I'm saying in this, in this, in this new series. We've all been looking in the mirror of this COVID-19 for 12 weeks now already, right? And we've been looking at that, and we've been looking on social media, we've been looking on television, we've heard the political people talk about it, and not only that, but then now we've seen the, uh, uh, the, uh, uh, all the things that are going on with murder and, and different things, and so we look at that, and if we're not careful, we change who God sees us, and we pick up that distortion. That distortion that that we see so much around with news media and what we're going through, wants us to see ourselves as fearful, anxious, hopeless, discouraged, angry, lonely. Has anybody by my side, by, by, except me, get a little angry every once in a while? Angry of getting up another day and they say, you know, you can't do this and you can't do something else or angry at something else. And if we're not careful... That instead of seeing ourselves as God sees us or as the Word sees us, we'll see ourselves through a distorted mirror. Here, here's what happens. Look at this quote. Who we see and believe, who you see and believe yourself to be, dictates the way you live your life. Who you see and believe yourself to be dictates the way you live your life. If you look through a distorted mirror of someone who said to you all of your life, you'll never amount to anything, you'll never be anything, you'll never be equal, you'll never prosper, you'll never be blessed, you'll never do that. Guess what? After a while, you begin to believe that. I mean, look at the people, look at the people that spend the big dollars on plastic surgery, right? So you get plastic surgery, and they say, oh, man, you, you just really look beautiful. Look at all the enhancements you've done. You know, the bulging biceps, you know, the other, other things that you, that you add, you know, like a big butt or whatever. And so you say to somebody, man, you look good. And then they look in the mirror, and they say, oh, yeah, but look, this is, this is like lumpy, and, and that's not right, and I need more of this. And, and so have you ever looked at people like that and thought, what's wrong with you? Don't you see how beautiful you are? Why is it that you can't see you the way that I see you? It's because they're looking from a distorted mirror. Here's what the Bible says in James chapter 1. If you listen to the word and don't live out the message you hear, you become, you become like the person who looks in a mirror of the word to discover the, the reflection of his face in the beginning. You perceive how God sees you in the mirror of the word, but then you go and forget your divine origin. In other words, you forget how God sees you. But those who set their gaze deeply into the perfecting law of liberty are fascinated by and respond to the truth. They hear and are strengthened by it. They experience God's blessings in all they do. God says to you this morning, you are fearless. Say fearless. 
God says this morning you're healed. Say it with me. God says this morning you're strong. Say it. God says you're blessed. Say it this morning. Because Christ is in you. So I find my identity not in a distortion mirror of COVID-19, not in social media, but I discover who I am in his word. Because if I don't, then I see all the distortion. One of the biggest distortions is fear. Fear. People are running rampant from fear. So I've got one point today in my teaching. Here it is. Number one. That's all there is today. Say one point. At least it's not pointless. Okay? Here it is. No fear. K-N-O-W, no fear. I didn't say N-O fear. I said no fear. You got to know about fear. I, I see these t-shirts all the time that have something to deal with fear. One says, fear nothing. Another one says, afraid of nothing. Fear is a mind killer. I don't know that I quite understand this one. Somebody after service may help me. I fear no beer. I don't know. I, I just saw that. No excuses, no fear, no shame. Fear is sort of like cholesterol. Fear is always speaking into our ear. It's always speaking into our ear. But it's sort of like cholesterol. When I go to the doctor and get my physical, he tells me I've got two kinds of cholesterol. Right, Matt? I got good cholesterol and I got bad. So if I understand my doctor, he wants me to have more good than bad. So there is good fear and there is bad fear. You know, it's sort of like bad fear magnifies the problem and minimizes God. Bad fear causes us to be paralyzed. What are we going to do? How are we going to make it out of this financially? What are we going to do about all this? How are we going to handle all this? Bad fear is full of self-doubt. I don't know if I'll ever be good enough. I don't know if I can ever handle this. Uh, it's, it brings fear of failure. Well, I'm afraid if I start, I'll fail because I failed in so many things. That fear of failure is, is so real. Or it's a fear of commitment. Yeah, I know I should commit, but, but I'm afraid if I commit, I can't do that. Or I, I'm afraid of the future. I'm afraid of loneliness. I'm afraid of death. You know, masks and gloves uh, people wear and some are wearing today are symbols of fear. It's not that they're bad. It's a symbol of fear. What are you fearing? I don't want to get sick. I don't want to die, right? So the symbols of that, isn't it amazing? Social media stirs up fear, and then it encourages you to magnify that fear and look at the fear they cause. I deal with fear of failure every day. That's a fear that I fear. I, every, every Sunday when I'm getting ready or think about it, I, I fear this. I fear, what if I'm not able to take the Father's house to the next level? What if I've overextended my time? What if I can't do that? And so that's a real fear that, that I face, and I have to not see myself through a distorted mirror, but i got to see myself in God's Word that evidently if I've got a heartbeat, then He's not through with me, Right? So I fear. I fear for my kids. I fear for my grandkids. I fear for racism. I, I fear for rebellion, uh, injustice. I, I, I fear all of those. I fear the fear of commitment, not my fear of commitment. But I see all these empty seats this morning, and I think as many, pro, as many people are saying, church will never be the same. People have gotten so used to staying home, they'll never come back. It'll never be the same. 
it'll never be the same. So that fear often comes in the midst of all of that. So that's bad fear. So I have to look into God's Word, right? So if you're fearful this morning, I want to help us by looking into God's Word. Now there is good fear, right? Good fear is helpful. It's intuitive. It tells you that something is dangerous. You teach your kids, don't cross the street without doing what? Looking both ways. You don't want to play in the middle of the street. You don't want to pick up a rattlesnake. You don't want to do all of that. Ultimately, there is a good fear. And that good fear is that we fear God. And that's not a fear that I run, but it's a fear that I, as that song we just sang, that I reverence Him, that I worship Him, that I lift Him up. The Bible says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. But let's talk about you today. What's your greatest fear? Would you just post that and let me know what your greatest fear is? What is, look, I'm not saying that we shouldn't wear a mask out in public. See, that's why you should never say things like that. Somebody said, please explain, shouldn't I wear a mask out in public? Read my lips. You do whatever you want to do. That's your, I just said, there's a fear that you don't want to get sick. You don't wear it because it's a social statement, right? You wear it because there's a fear that you don't want to get sick. There's nothing wrong with that. Listen to what I say. And I probably shouldn't have said that, so let me take that out for the third service. I won't say that in the third service. What's your greatest fear? What is it? Would you post that? This is my greatest fear. This is my greatest, maybe it's uh, phobophobia. You know what that is? A fear of phobias. Uh, maybe it's a homilophobia. That's a fear of sermons. Or maybe it's catatropophobia. That's a fear of mirrors. Here's what Nelson Mandela said. Look at this. This is a great quote. I learned that courage was not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. The brave man is not he who does not feel afraid but he who conquers that fear. So what is the fear? What is the fear? What's driving you? What is that fear that you say, this, this is a real fear and I can't get it out of my mind? Scripture said, for God has not given us the spirit of what? Fear. The spirit of fear. That word fear there is the word phobo. It's the only time it's used in the Bible. You know what it means? It means to run away. So we see a lot of things happening today, and people say, I'm just so fearful. They just, they want to run away. So people run to alcohol. They run to addiction. They run to so many different things. But it says that God has not given us that spirit of running, but of power and of love and a sound mind. He said, so he's given us the power to deal with anything that he brings our way with love, that I can love myself and love others. And not only that, but I can think in a right way. You can get so fearful that you don't even think right. And that's what the enemy wants. So what are you saying, Terry? I'm saying, well, we need to take time to remember. Take time to remember. Say remember. It's important that we don't go hysterical, but we go historical. Say historical. In other words, when fear comes our way, whatever it is, if you lost your job, if you got a bad doctor's report, if whatever it is, you see that, well, there's more, uh, there's more of the virus that's happened or whatever that is. So, so that fear that comes, then how are you going to handle that fear? You don't want to go hysterical. You want to go historical. Now, 
Time out. Let me just give you a little side note here. Gentlemen, don't ever try to out-argue your wife. You'll lose. First of all, you're right. She's always right. Second of all, she's better at arguing than you. And thirdly, she goes historical on you. There are times that Anita and I will get in a little disagreement. And you know what she'll do? She'll go back 22 years ago when we lived in Kissimmee, Florida. And the, and the shower door broke. And she yelled at me from the other side of the house to come and rescue her. And I didn't run. In fact, I thought, she's got it covered. I know she's got everything. She's never let me forget that. We get some, and she goes historical. I guess that's okay, right? You got to get over some things. But I'll tell you one thing today. When fear comes at you, don't go hysterical. Go historical. What happened in the Word? What did God do when people were chased down by fear? So I would like for you to look. The script, as someone once said, those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. So in Exodus chapter 14, in Exodus chapter 14, Israel has been in captivity in Egypt. It's like COVID-19 to historical proportions. And they cry out for deliverance to God, and God redeems them. He brings them out, and uh, now they're running. And Pharaoh said, why did we let them go? Let's chase them down. That's our work crew. And so they're chasing. Now, here's the picture. They are being led out by Moses and by the Lord. And now they're, they're, they've gone out and they're, they're moving. And all of a sudden, Pharaoh changes his mind. I'm going to get you and bring you back. So 600 chariots began chasing them as they are moving out of where they were before. So they're being chased down. My question to some of you today is, what fear keeps chasing you down? What fear is it that you never can get over? What is that fear? As we were talking to Steve uh, Wednesday night, I said to him, Steve, what do you fear the most? He said, I fear getting shot. He said, that's what I fear the most. I fear getting shot. Someone asked T.D. Jakes last week, said, what do you fear the most? He said, I fear for my children when they're driving and they get caught in a wreck or they're pulled over by a police officer. He said, that's what I fear. And so a lot of those of you here today that are sheriff's deputies and police officers and your family, I see the post often from some of our officer wives when their husband is called out, they'll say, would you please pray for my husband? I don't want anything to happen. So it's that, it's that constant, because of the job, it's that fear. Or a first responder or a fireman. It's that, it's that fear that's there. So what fear is chasing you down this morning? And you feel like you're running for your life, running for your life. Someone said, the fear that I have is not doing enough in my life. Now, they're running away. And so they come to this place called Payaroth. Look at verse 9, chapter 14. So the Egyptian pursued them and overtook them. The word overtook there means they could literally see each other. And then the Israelites camped by the seaside in a place called Payaroth. Now, here's what you've got to know. In verses 1 and 2, the Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites, 
to turn back. You've got to see this picture. Some of you have never seen this in your life. You've seen the picture in the movie like, you know, the Egyptians are chasing them and they're running away and they're coming to the sea. But before that happened, God's GPS said to Moses, Moses, I know you're running away from the Egyptians, verse 1, but I want you to turn around and I want you to run straight back into what you've just been redeemed from. I want you to make an about face. So they went and made an about face and they came to a place, Payarath, which means the Valley of the Gorges. And they were in a place of a dead end. The Egyptians were there. The mountains were on each side. And the water was in front of them. They were literally brought by God to a dead end. There's some of you that are watching today and you say, man, that's where I am. I was going in this direction, walking in God's favor, walking in God's blessings. But it's like he's just turned me around. And what I thought I was getting rid of and away from, I'm facing that same thing again. It's like a dead end. Why am I at this place of dead end? And so the people began screaming and yelling at Moses and saying, you know, why did you bring us here? You should have left us where we were. But look at verse 4. God said, I'll harden Pharaoh's heart. I planned this in order to display my glory through Pharaoh and his whole army. After this, the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites camped there as they were told. Look at this. So here they are moving away. And God says, yep, I've got a PL for you. I've got a promised land. I've got a promise that you're going to fulfill. But maybe right before you feel like you're really ready to be delivered into that, it seems like through a series of circumstances, you're turned around and you're back where you were. It's you're facing the same enemy. Listen, I'm talking to somebody today, and you're facing the same dead end over and over and over. And you think God has abandoned you, that he doesn't care for you, that he doesn't love you. But here's what God said to Moses. I'm going to use this event to display my glory through Israel and I personally will deliver them. Right now, it looks like they're running for their life. It looks like they can get out of this all by themselves. But God said, I'm going to bring them into a situation that only God, that only God, say that with me, only God, that only God can redeem this situation. Uh, here's my prayer. Oh, God, in the midst of this COVID-19, in the midst of all of the things that are going on, would you show up in such a powerful way that nobody, Republican, Democrat, or leader can say, I did this, but we'll have to say nothing but God made a difference in this. That's what they were saying here. And God said, I'm going to display my glory in that. So when I come to face a fear or a dead end, instead of panicking, instead of worrying, I need to do what Moses said for them to do. Look at this next verse, verse 10 through 14. As Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and they panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. They cried out to the Lord and they said to Moses, why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were, while we were still in Egypt? It would have been better off. Are you kidding me? 
Go back in your Bible and read. Just a few days ago, they're crying, oh, God, deliver me. God, deliver me. God, deliver me. God, deliver me. But now when they're in a crisis that they can't get out, they're ready no longer to trust God. They're ready to blame God. There's some of you that are here today for where you are right now in a dead end. You're blaming God. God, you don't care. You didn't hear my prayer. You didn't see any of this. But here's what Moses says for them. Look at this. Don't be afraid. Say, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Just stand still. Say, stand still. Stand still. And then look at this. Watch the Lord rescue you today. And the Lord himself will fight for you. Stay calm. That's God's word for you today. You're trying to fight it. You're trying to do all these things. You're trying, but he just simply says, look, don't fear. How can I not fear? Then I've got to look up to him. He said, stand still. In other words, watch the Lord rescue you. And that's what the Lord wants to do today. Here's what he wants us to do. He wants us to lean in to our faith. Lean in to faith. Fear is an opportunity for faith to trust. Fear is an opportunity for faith to trust. Let's bow our heads. Father, I know that so many of us today are facing fear. We fear getting the virus. We fear death. We fear financial collapse. We fear the future that we'll never be able to rebuild. We fear that we will never have the justice and the righteousness that we need. We're afraid that'll never happen. And the enemy will play on that through so many things, through social media, through, through, through uh, 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 politics. But Lord, we're going to come back to what Moses said here. We choose to go historical, not hysterical, and not be afraid. Stand still and watch you, Lord. In other words, we're going to lift up our eyes above the distorted mirrors, and we're going to look into the mirror of your word until we see the reflection of you, Jesus. And then we're going to be changed from glory to glory as we keep looking at you. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life. And we'd love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps are in your relationship with Jesus, all you have to do is go to thefathershouse.com slash next. Join us next week as we continue to love God, help people, and build the kingdom.